put a spell on you. And now you're mine. <laughs> you can't stop the things I do. I ain't lying. No! No! Don't listen to them! In 300 years, right down to the day, now the witch is back. Welcome to Pony Toes, the adventures of an NYC DST teacher. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. Uh, we will be sharing our experiences in the ridiculous and hilarious truths. However, to keep the identity of the students and companies we have worked for safe, we won't be mentioning any by name, and if we do, they will be changed. That being said, let's get into today's topic. Scary subject matter. So Halloween is coming up in a few weeks, and we mm-hmm. were thinking, what could we do to incorporate this holiday? You know, talk about for a fun episode. Mm-hmm. And we started talking about how there's so many times we've seen competitions or videos of dances or dance recitals and showcases where kids and even teenagers are presented with this subject material to use about death and murder and, you know, scary... Yeah, horror themes, like scary murder dolls, The Exorcist. And sometimes I'm like, that is not appropriate. Yeah, and I think... And I get it. I get where the the fun can be and playing with these things and concepts because I think of... It makes me think... Two really good pieces. One piece was set on a group of college kids, and it was about ment- uh, a mental asylum, and it was very well done. Mm-hmm. It was totally creepy and horror, but that was for a college-age group. Then I've also seen another, like, I wouldn't even call it a horror-themed piece. It was more like a Scooby-Doo piece without, like, the Scooby-Doo gang, but, like, mm-hmm. they kept revealing the monsters as one of the boys throughout the dance, mm-hmm. you know, th- mm-hmm. the same boy throughout the dance, but, like... It was cute and cheesy, but appropriate for like an elementary school group, which is what which is what the dance was set on a group of elementary school kids. So that's totally okay. But when we have, like I was telling Danielle, I said I saw a piece at a competition where it was about a killer, and these were I cannot put them as old as seventh grade. So I'm thinking that there may be ten or eleven. But it was a killer, like one of the dancers was a killer attacking the other dancers, and they were using stage blood. This was not okay. Like, the the general, like, concern and shock by the parents in the audience who had their, you know, younger kids or their younger kids were um, a part of the competition, it just wasn't okay. Like, there were actually kids that were afraid and terrified. So I think we just want to talk about, like, Where's the line of of scary and horror when it comes to dance pieces and performances? Yeah, what's appropriate at what age level, and what you can do with the sub with the idea of scary and horror and Halloween if you're doing something for like holiday specific things, mm-hmm. seasonal specific, that's appropriate for a certain age group. I mean, I remember watching an episode of Dance Moms years ago, and um. And they went to a competition and they were circulating this piece about Lizzie Borden. And it was set to a very creepy piece of music. And she, um, you know, Abby Miller had 
Maddie Ziegler in a dress with, again, fake blood all over her. I'm pretty sure she also had her in some type of like contacts to make her eyes look weird. I could, that could not be exactly correct, but I want to say that because I remember something not looking yeah. right about her face. And she had an axe throughout the entire piece and the rest of the dancers um, were like her, were like the people that got slain. And it's just like, you know, and at, at this time, at this, you know, when she was doing this piece, like it was during Dance Mom. So I don't know, maybe the oldest she could have been was like 12, I want to say. Yeah, I, and Maddie that's Ziegler's too, not old right now. No, so she, like, I believe she like, she like just turned 16. So this piece was probably when she was 12 or maybe even younger potentially. And Lizzie Borden is like, first of all, I didn't know who Lizzie, I am a huge horror oh, fanatic. Oh, I immediately know huge. who Lizzie Borden is, but and I, I go, that's not okay. Well, I didn't know who Lizzie Borden was at 11 and 12, and oh, the yeah, fact no, that you are, you know, having her dress up in a dress with blood on it, carrying an axe, making the dance about how she murdered her parents and stuff, like, it's just really, really not appropriate and how is it that you know I fully feel like it's important to explain to kids especially younger kids subject matters of pieces what is this piece about what is the story we're trying to tell what um what are we learning from it and like was it even explained to her right and that's I think that's the first thing I would say with just especially with our Halloween horror themes but in general is that why are you dancing what are you dancing for what is the story behind this all really important things in any field of dance and so when it comes to subject matter like Lizzie Borden I think if if you would not allow your child to watch or to read a story about the same subject matter that they're dancing about mm -hmm. I think that's a fair game to like be this is probably something we should not do yes. because I know a big thing that like swept through the like the 90s and early millennium were the Chucky movies yes so I've seen so many Chucky themed dances and I do, because again, you have a small kid, you give them the red wig, you give them a butcher knife and they go run around the stage in creative dance mode. That's not okay. The latest thing that I'm, I saw a little bit last year and I'm, I feel like it's going to be more prevalent this year is uh, Stephen King's It because the movie came out last year. I saw some, la I saw a few pieces last year, mostly with the teenage group. But I'm I'm sure like you see the yeah, the yellow raincoat and the red balloon like mm -hmm. I've seen those motifs and things that keep reoccurring. But again, I think it's very dangerous to do things without explaining the children yes. what they're doing. Um, I wanna I wanna correct myself for a minute. I just looked this up. So the Lizzie Borden dance was not a group number. It was a solo. But this episode was aired on March eighth, two thousand and sixteen. So it was aired then, so it was probably shot a few months prior to it. So you say Maddie Ziegler just turned 16, so that means she would have been 15 in March. You go back to your... So, okay, so maybe she was 13. Still not really appropriate for a 13-year-old to be doing a this. A 13-year-old holding an axe about telling right. a story about killing her parents. Not That's what and I want to see. And the rest of the episode I'm reading about this was... It was... The episode was called... Um, uh, Abby Lee's horror story and the entire dances she did for that season or that week or whatever it was, her entire circuit for all of her kids, groups, and solos were all about horror themes. There is a group number called The Cult, which was about a cult, which, again, 
not not appropriate considering the oldest person that was in this group was about 13 or 14 and went all the way down to 10 years old. There was one about the Black Dahlia, one about Natalie Wood and when she drowned, and one about Lizzie Borden. And I just, I question a lot of things. I question why, why do we need for younger kids, younger teenagers mm-hmm. and younger kids, why do we need such horrific, um, horrific material to make a piece good? Why does it need to be horror-centric or scary-centric or anything like that? And I question the parents letting their kids go on stage with an axe and blood on them or or do a dance about Natalie Wood drowning. And the, the problem that I have is that, and this has been brought up before in, I think we talked about this in the first episodes. Maybe we did. That was so long ago. Yay, we're still here. But it's like, who is your intended audience when we do some of these pieces? And so, like, again, there are, there are, you can do a scary theme with a monster. Yes. Versus a specific real, like, I think a that's, real I, life event. Right. I think that's the problem that I have with these particular stories or even with, like, the beauty of these horror movies, because horror movies are usually the trigger or the the example for the piece, these uh, yes. horror pieces, is that these are real life events and things that have have happened. Like mm-hmm. Lizzie Borden is a real life person. Yeah, Black on Dahlia, this earth. real. <laughs> Natalie Wood, real. Cults still real. current and real yep. and happening in this world. So there, I know that like it made me think. Um, like there was a piece performed about. I want to say a car accident, and this isn't particularly horror, but like, it's it horrific. Was, no, material. I remember it wasn't a it was a there or it was a car accident piece, but there was a piece done about the Parkland shooting, mm. and this happened in Florida, where one of the uh, competition team, one of the children that passed away in Parkland, was a part of the stu- one of the studios there. So this group of kids just watched a piece about the Parkland shooting when their friend had recently passed. So the minute like their stu- the adults with that studio realized what was going on, they immediately like, start pulling their kids out of yeah, the auditorium. Because- and so it just makes me go like traumatic experiences like that happen to people every day. So the idea of having someone drown on stage without forewarning or, you know, like we're at a children's competition, even though it may right. be Halloween, it's going to be, you know, spooky or scary. They're very careful about their words where it is spooky and scary, not horror, yes. you know? And I, to your point, I just feel like if you wanted to do a spooky, scary show or showcase or this week for our competitions, I mean, it's not really competition season in the fall, but if someone, You'll get some surfing, yeah, like, some convention out there is doing, is doing a week and they're like, oh, it's going to be like Halloween themed. If it which is, happens. Which happens. If it is younger kids, if it is elementary through, I would say middle school, because usually yeah. you leave middle school the oldest at 14. So yeah, really. so if it's elementary and middle school, have it be that spooky, fun, scary. Have it be something where it is like Scooby-Doo and they're on a mystery trail or, or a Casper the Friendly Ghost where it could be ghosts, but it's more comical and funny or Ghostbusters or... Um, even if the even if the dancers are terrified of the monster or of the bad guy, I don't mm-hmm. want blood on stage. I just I don't. I have seen pieces with full grown adults that have had that have portrayed more meaning and more intent and more horror without the use of blood on stage. Because despite 
the desensitized world that we live in, blood is a trigger for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially a young child that is unfamiliar with seeing blood on the regular. And I hope no child sees blood on the regular. But, like, that could be a very triggering event, you know? Or to see, again, to see someone wielding an axe on stage, it's so, it's so very easy to trigger nightmares or deeper psychological issues on accident. Yes. And, and that's my problem. I think it's something where if you feel the need to do a piece about someone in history or an event in history and you really feel like you want to, you, you need to create, you need to use a creative outlet to talk about this piece. It's something like Parkland to talk about it, to, mm-hmm. to, to let it live on as something that can't happen. I understand that. But it needs to be done in the appropriate setting. And I'm sorry, but it needs to be done with the appropriate time passing. Nobody should have been making a piece about school shootings in Parkland a month or less after it happened. A month or less after. That should, you need to be very, when you choose these subject matters. And I am the first person to say, I love fucked up movies. I love horror. Oh, yeah. I love deep, deep psychological stuff. I am there for it. The more psychologically screwed up, the better. better. I'm there for it. Books, podcasts. I listen to all of the true crime podcasts out there. All of them. I love it. I also love creating really interesting pieces. But Mm -hmm. when I'm with kids, that is not the appropriate setting. Exactly. And I think that just, the to me, the mark gets missed of your own target group of dancers and audience when something is going on. Because, okay, so when I think of something like Lizzie Borden or like Cultist or like even certain pieces about bullying yeah, that happen, it really makes dark. me think of, so um, I've said it before, I work in the New York, New York City school system. I remember when the television show 13's Reason Why came out probably two two years ago now, yeah. season one aired. Um, I think there is a season two, but I refuse. I just remember full-grown adults that are in therapy being triggered by mm-hmm. that series and then going, and then remember how, like, the school system here reacted to, we need to have a conversation about this if our students are, in fact, watching them. A couple of my schools did have sit-downs mm-hmm. where we invited kids and parents to come in and talk about the fact that, like, these things are happening. And the amount of pieces I've seen about bullying that, again, it can be very triggering. I don't want us to shy away from difficult subject matter when it comes to dance. No, because I I think that dance can do wonders for difficult subject matters. It provides an outlet, a way for you to view the world differently and speak about what's happening. But what what we are harping on is there is a specific group of people that can handle that material and specific venues. And it makes me think, so I... um, was working with a group of kids um, a few years ago, and we had been invited to perform um, for a group, uh, for like a, like um, for this like conference essentially. And it was the, I was originally told that the conference was about abuse. And I was like, well, that's, you know, like uh, the victims of abuse, like we want, it was mm-hmm. a fundraiser kind of conference site to raise awareness, raise money, things of that sort. And I was like, we're totally good. That's a totally good mm-hmm. cause. We're down for it. We're cool. I said, send the paperwork. Like, it was a very short turnaround. Like, maybe a two, like, I want to say, like, a one day. But it's probably one to two day turnaround between, like, rehearsals and performing. Yeah. So, I said, send the information directly to my boss who, would, you know, has to do per- approval and things like that. Permission slips, this, that, and the third. So, uh, my boss got the paperwork. And she called me and she goes, did you know this was about, like, the abuse of sexual abuse? And I was like, wait, what? 
She goes, yeah, you didn't have all the details. I said, no, that's why I sent everything to you because it's such a short turnaround. And she said, and this was a group of middle schoolers. And she was like, I, I'm not comfortable sending a group of middle schoolers into this environment or to have them be working. You're like, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. Um, and another colleague of mine took another group of kids and it just was very, like, it was very, it was under a volunteer basis. Cause that, that was, I think the agreement that they settled on is that like, leave it to the discretion of the parents and several people were okay with it going for it. But at, during and after the performance, it was very much like, this feels very inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I want us to think about. I think as, as as dance teachers and the people that like, we constantly tell parents to trust us and, you know, trust our sensibility when it comes to subject matter and skills and not, not breaking their kids' bodies. I think we do a disservice to them when we do pieces, you know, that involve yeah. truly horrifying things. Like, I mean, and I could do, it's coming up. Maybe it'll be for Christmas or the New Year. I want to do a whole episode about Dance Moms because there, there are numerous oh, episodes like yes. this where I go, that probably made really great television, but right. how damaging was that to the a child. child, you know, like a child who has gone through something traumatic and is now watching an episode of their favorite dancer will the axe around the stage. Yeah. It's just something you really need to to think about. And I mean, like we said, like there's so many, like I'm even thinking right now off the top of my head, if someone said you need to put together a little showcase for Halloween, I'm like, we could use so many fun songs. We could use mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. We could use Monster Mash. We could use Thriller. We the could entire do, score of Hocus Pocus. We could use Hocus Pocus. Like there's so many fun upbeat Halloween spooky songs I could use and create a showcase mm -hmm. based around, you know, this holiday and, and all of this that is age appropriate for my elementary schoolers. Of course. Well, and that's... And they can connect to it and have fun with it. Exactly. And that, I think, is the important thing because no child likes to be scared. I think I think that is something that we, we get very confused with as we get older, like, cause as we, again, I totally agree with Danielle, like the, the psychological, the more psychological, the better. Like I'm that type of person. Like I watch so many horror movies in college that like, I'm slightly desensitized to them now to where I'm like, that person's the killer. Mm -hmm. Like, so I'm totally Same. that person where like, I need a, I need to be a really good one. Like a quiet place. Personal favorite. So right good. Because they did something different. Uh, you guys, know? everyone who's listening, if you have not watched this, <laughs> So, okay. Quiet place, but also I'm gonna. I'm um, gonna there's rumor that there's out. gonna be a quiet place too. I All heard I'm that, but you but. need to watch. You need to watch the Haunting of Hill House on Netflix because that show is scary. There is all that haunted house stuff going on. They're mm -hmm. able to do it in a way that's mm -hmm. actually scary. But it's more so about all the family dynamics and what happened when they grew up and what paths each of their lives took. And it is all sorts of psychologically oh God, screwed it. up. It's great. So again, we're sitting here saying we love it. All about it. But I don't know a single child that enjoys true horror or, or terrifying things. No. That becomes a problem. Or I know the world is obsessed with American horror stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, or going to haunted houses and things like that. So those are very common reoccurring things. And the amount of young children that I know watch American Horror Stories and are completely, like, confused or, like, 
they're like, it's so scary. Or a lot of them go, I watched a few episodes. It was basically all sex and blood, so I just stopped watching. Mm-hmm. Or like, it's really boring to me, even though like Lady Gaga's in her or whatever celebrity they rattle off to me. They go, you know, like, it's just like, they still hit that same kind of thing of their, their brains are not at a point where that's enjoyable entertainment because mm-hmm. it's just terrifying for them. Yeah. And again, all the most successful Halloween pieces I've seen for younger kids, it's always like, Again, it's like watching Scooby Doo or like right, Ghostbusters. They're fun. I've seen some good Ghostbuster ones as well. Yes. You know? So I think you have to strongly remember your target audience when working with the, with younger kids, especially around Halloween. I mm-hmm. would much rather see everyone dressed up, you know, as ghosts with sheets on yeah. or princesses and pirates. I would much rather see that. I would much rather see a child enjoy themselves. Than for them to, you know, to have a parent come up to be like, yeah, they're really scared about the subject matter. Or have a parent go, why are we doing this exactly? You know, they right. seem a little scared by it, you know? Because the, the the idea and the statement of, well, we're trying to, we're trying to push, push the envelope. We're trying to, we're trying to raise the bar. We're trying to, you know, push people and see, and see what we can get <laughs> out of them. That's, no. When your kid is 10 years old, absolutely not. I despise the phrase, we're trying to push the envelope. I, I hate it so much because, and I once said this to a college professor when we were studying, ooh, this was in the 80s. It's not a gram. What is it? Who is it? It's going to come to me. But it's all, during the 80s, the dance world went through a pedestrian movement phase. Cunningham? Cunningham, Merce Cunningham, <laughs> and that's it. Um, and so it was uh, in the. If you watch any pieces from the eighties, you see a lot of like walking on stage, yes. and running, yeah, because it was like this is all new and revolutionary. I also love a good pedestrian piece. Me too. Um, I love a good pedestrian piece. I really do. But so like my professor, he was like, yeah, this is all like new and cutting edge. He was like, yeah, you rarely see it anymore. And I go, so here's this. I, I don't. I mean, I can say his name, Brian. My professor, Brian. Uh, love him. He's an amazing teacher. He, um, I was, I remember telling him, I was just like, I get that this was all like new and revolutionary at the time. I said, but we're young. We're learning all this. This isn't new. Or, I was like, this is new and revolutionary to us because we're still learning the dance world. Mm-hmm. So when people go, we're trying to push the envelope. I'm sitting here going like, but they're young dancers. They barely know basic technique. You know, like mm-hmm. you still, you still have girls that are trying to figure out you still have kids who have growing bodies, so their hamstrings are not the same. So the way they do pirouettes are going to be different from week to week until they solidify that technique. Yeah. So from when you go, we're trying to push the envelope. We had to reintroduce the world to Ghostbusters. Yeah. We had to reintroduce the world to it. There are about 27, 27,000 at this point, different incarnations of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. You know, so like when we keep going, we're trying to push the envelope. I go, you have to pay homage to what has already been done and to what is coming. And so when I hear push the envelope, especially in like a holiday sequence, I go, we're on a theater. We're only going to suspend disbelief so much. But I, I also don't want kids leaving my studio because they have to go see a therapist because I decide to have them wielding axes. And just on a safety note, prop, whether it's a fake prop axe or a real, you know, like a semi relax, right. none of them are okay to me. Yeah, it's just, just it, yeah, yeah. I just can't. I, yeah. I'm also one of those people that I less is more 
when it comes to like props and yeah. costumes when it comes to dance like I would much rather have a really cool set for them to dance on mm-hmm. you know like a moving stage or a platform here yes. than hand them a billion props or you know a crazy costume that they no, can't move cause or dance even in. with even well especially with younger kids like it just it's backstage sh- wrangling alone no or mask I just want it since we're doing a spooky episode now the amount of masks that are used for dance. And I just did a piece with masks last year. And it, again, I cut so many, like I kept having to enlarge eye holes on the mask Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Like, just be mindful. Again, it's about the kids. It's about the kids. Like, so even if you have the coolest Halloween concept in the world, please remember at the end of the day, it is not about you. It is not about your artistic vision. Not... Honestly, if they're under 18, it's really not about your artistic vision. Here's the thing, though. You can even, it can be about your artistic vision, but it, again, it just has to be age-appropriate artistic vision. Yes. Like, you can be very, um, you, well, I can't think of the word, like, you can come up with all these different things and ideas and new ways of using things, but still be age-appropriate. Mm-hmm, always. So there's just, like, for you to be like, well, my artist, it's not my artistic vision. I'm like, well, what's your artistic vision for a five-year-old? Because my artistic vision for my kindergarten and first-grade show is not the same as my artistic vision for my second and third-grade show. Oh, completely. Is not the same as my artistic vision when I choreograph for on adults. Oh, completely. And I just, the same thing I was saying about just, like, old concepts being new to new people... I loved, honestly, like, I love teaching, like, the Scooby-Doo and Shaggy sneak across the stage. Yes. I love teaching that, as particularly around Halloween. But in general, I love teaching that because it's always fun to see how, when I say that, how it's interpreted. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when I'll make references to, um, I call them Jamaican runs, but it's just, essentially, it's just a stylized uh, jump, jump, running jump, where your feet are in double stag. Are in parallel double stag. Oh, and yeah. Honestly, I, I, when kids have a hard time, I say it's called the Mario jump, the jump that Mario does in the video games. Any child that has played that game, the older versions of the games, instantly know how to do that jump because they go, oh, it's what Mario does. Yeah. They put one hand in the air, their feet automatically lock into a perfect position. They get it. Yes. Again, that concept, Mario's been around forever. Scooby Doo has been around forever, but right. these concepts still feel completely new and fresh to a 10 year old, to a thought, you know five-year-olds like it's become new so i think pushing the envelope particularly with horror can be very very dangerous you know mm-hmm. or i shouldn't yeah it can be dangerous nope that's how i feel fight me on it bring it like i just it's one of those things of i'm just more down for the safety of our children than i created this really cool horror piece just for good television dance mom yeah Either way. Yeah. That being said, let's roll right around to I'm to I'm Sorry What. And for the rest of October, our I'm Sorry What's are going to be spooky, eerie stories that me and Danielle have heard or encountered along our adventures. Um, and I want to start with one. So this one it comes from, I was working um, at the theater company where we were like housed up the road from the theater. And... We were, uh, the theater, like, it was up the road from the theater. And so it was, like, a small town. It was, mm-hmm. like, decent walking distance from, like, housing to the theater. The only problem is you have to pass by a graveyard mm. to get to the theater. Now, I where my parents currently live now in Georgia, there's, like, a forest 
and then like graveyard on the other side. So I'm not particularly weirded out by seeing like stone tombs or whatever, mm-hmm. like like the headstones or whatever. Like it's there, you realize that you move on. One particular rehearsal where we got like we got in a rehearsal, we'd all walked back in a group, and one of the girls was like, Oh, I forgot something in the theater. I don't want to walk back by myself because somebody walked over. So it was like three of us, and we like walked to the theater, and it was like perfectly fine. But on the like way back home, she was like, I feel like somebody's following us. And we're like, well, like, it's well lit on the street. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't see anybody. Like, it's just, everyone's probably asleep. Like, this is a small town. Everyone's probably asleep. I don't see anything. So like, well, let's speed up. So we start walking a little bit faster. And then we kept hearing, like, these noise of, like, a horse. And I was like, I don't see any horses. I have not seen any horses around. But we kept hearing, like, the clip-clop of, like, a horse or whatever. And I was like, this is starting to freak us out. And then we, like, look over, obviously, we look over the graveyard and be like, is there someone over there? And, like, it's clear as far as we can see. We're like, so, like, what is going on? This is freaking us out. We get back to the house. Nothing else happens that day. We walk to work, kind of still thinking about it, but it's, like, broad daylight. Nothing's a problem. We get to the theater, and we're, like, telling, like, company management, like, throughout the day, like, yeah, I was like, is there, like, a horse or something around this? Like, oh, you guys have met Doc. We're like, uh, who's Doc? It's like, oh, Doc was, like, a doctor during, like, the Civil War. He had, like, this whole horse thing. Like, his ghost, like, haunts the cemetery. So, like, people often say they hear horses when there's nothing around them. I was like, oh you're, you're messing with us because we're young. They're like, no, you're probably, like, as far as you know, he's not violent, but, like, you're probably going to hear horses every now and then when you're walking home in the dark. After that, like, I don't know if it was our imagination or if, like, or what, but, like, we constantly kept hearing horses when we would walk home in the dark. So, yeah, that, nope. That's funny. Just nope. That's just, it was just creepy, because, like, you would, yeah. you would get the sense of, like, someone's, like, around you. Like, yeah. Like, the person's there, and then you would just hear, like, the neighing of a horse and, like, the clip clops, like, not like they're right beside you, but, like, enough for you to, like, yeah, like, kind in of, like, the a distance, horse? What's though? going on here? So, yeah, I will, I will never forget that because it, it freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. Um, I, my story this week is the dance that I went to growing up, um, has since moved locations. They were able to buy this like gorgeous new studio. They're still in the same town, but just like down the street in this like gorgeous new building. But the studio that I went to growing up started in the 70s, I want to say. Mm. She, the owner had bought it. And prior to that, that we had a couple of, it was like a small, it was a little small campus thing that was like behind a strip mall with like a deli and like a bakery and like something else in the strip mall. And there's a couple of buildings and at least the main building, I'm not sure about the other ones, but at least the main building, I think they all were, um, used to be part of a funeral home. And so Mm. it would be the main building, I think was the funeral home. And then I know... There was one building, and it was where our Studio 6 was, because we have stu- we had studios, like, 1 through 6. Mm-hmm. Studio 6 was, um, they they said at least, and, of course, this is all rumor. I don't know if any of this is true. was, like, where they would actually, like, um, you know, like, take, take the... Work on the bodies. Work on the bodies, and they would, like, embalm them and make them up and, like, all that. I couldn't think of the right wording. And so they, we used to, as kids we would go to the downstairs bathroom in the main building and there'd be like 10 of us and we'd all pile in this bathroom together because then someone was like, you know, if you do the Bloody Mary thing in the mirror, like you're going to see her. And when we would have our like summer programs at the studio and when we were like, you know, like nine, 10 years old, we would like all pile into this bathroom and turn off the lights and say the Bloody Mary thing. And then we would all like, be like, oh my God, and like scream. 
scream and like tumble out and be like, we saw her. Did you see her? We saw her. And no one saw her. That's brilliant. And probably no one saw her. And then I will say, though, that Studio 6 was a little creepy. Like you would enter that that building was literally just a small waiting area, that studio and a bathroom. Mm. And you did get the sense of like it was always cold in there, I remember. And it just seemed a little like creepy. And there wasn't usually a lot of classes that were in that studio. It was mm. only utilized when it was like a busy night and every other space was full. Um but I I do remember, like, there was one day a friend and I were in there, and it was either, like, after class or before our class, and it was a later-in-the-day class on the weekday, and we, I remember, like, we would hear weird things, and we were creaking, and we all mm. were, like, we'd always be, like, oh, my gosh, like, whatever, but, I mean, listen, you never know. It was a funeral home. That's where they worked on the bodies. Like, there could very well be spirits there. Why not? But so I will never, ever forget that. There's always more. Yeah, we've got a couple more little creepy stories like that. Yes. We'll be sharing as the month goes on. But let's move right along to class shout outs. I didn't take class this week. <laughs> um, I So here's the thing. I definitely, when we started the podcast, our intention was to take class every week. And I definitely have certainly increased my class intake since starting the podcast. But as like my schedule constantly goes into flux and like health and like life. It's very difficult to get to class on a weekly basis yeah. and teach a full schedule. I'm it's, learning. That's, yeah, that was my whole idea. It's, it was very, it's been very difficult. Um, I've been lucky enough that through work, we've been able to have workshops for all the teachers. I will say that um, I had a workshop two weeks ago with all the rest of the teachers in my, um, that also teach dance, like in my school network. And um, I was lucky enough, I actually got to be one of the teachers for it and present a little combination. Um, and it's that's always, like, so great to be around, like, the people that I work with and mm -hmm. be like, oh, yes, at heart, like, we all dancers. Like, we all grew up in studios and went to dance. And it's really a great experience to learn from each other and just get, like, a kick-ass class in. Mm -hmm. So I'll shout out all of those lovely people. Um, and that, um, I appreciate getting those getting those classes in because sometimes it's really hard to make it to like Perry Dance or Broadway Dance Studio or Ailey or wherever we go to. So being able to get a couple yeah. of um, like staff classes in is nice. Yeah, it's, trust me, I get it. It's a bit of a struggle because with me freelancing right now, I I think I'm at four, 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 five. It could be five. I'm at a lot of schools right now. And as all of them are starting up, the schedules are constantly in flux. Mm -hmm. So like the idea of like, it's a good day if I make it to the gym right now in between, like, running between classes. So I'm sure that it will even... I know that it will even out soonish in a couple of weeks, and I definitely know the spring will be slightly easier. But to all of you that... All those teachers out there that made it to class this week, my shout-out is to you. Yes, congratulations. We, we get it. For it's you. very difficult to run a studio, teach numerous classes, take care of yourself and your families, and get to class. So mm -hmm. we're right along there with you. Well, that being said... The curtain has closed in this episode, and we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. We want to say a special thank you to our listeners. Our numbers keep growing, and that's all thanks to you. Episodes come out every Tuesday. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play Music are perfect places to do that. 
You can find us on Facebook at Point Your Toes. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Point PYT. You can email us at PYTNYC29 at gmail.com. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Danielle Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, the adventures of NYC